But thank you guys so much. I wanted to, to just quick give you a cool update. Yesterday, I can't remember if Austin mentioned this to everybody or I just heard him talking to somebody about it. I think I just heard him talking to somebody about it. One more update. Shelby and Clint are all in too. That's right. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, so yesterday, that's what I was going to say a little bit about, was uh, yesterday. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, exactly. Everything. Um, but last, uh, yesterday, yesterday, um, I think I've mentioned this, you know, again, some people are here sometimes and other people are, it's like different crowds. So I never know if I'm like repeating myself too much sometimes, but, um, oh, here's some, here's some, notes, if you don't mind. um, um, but, uh, so a church that I was almost, I almost ended up going to, 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 to be their pastor a few years ago, several years ago, actually now, I guess two couple years ago, right before the pandemic. Um, anyways, I just never got peace with God wasn't giving me peace and my wife peace in that decision for whatever reason. And so I had told them that I was just, I was not, I was going to stay at Calvary where I was the past almost seven years and decided to stay and um, that was like right, literally right before the pandemic. And so then the pandemic happened and eventually that church, which was already, you know, without a pastor at this point going into the pandemic, the pandemic was already hard enough and then did not have a lead pastor at the time. And so that church has now like it slowly kind of dwindled and now they're merging with another church in the Charlotte area. And so they don't need their uh, portable church or their su- the, the supplies they were using specifically for uh being at a location that's you're renting in like a school or whatever. And so you're going in and using children's space and classrooms and all that stuff. And so they donated all of their, um, like this one big trailer, it's a big old trailer, it's like 16 foot trailer uh, and full of all these portable church um, supplies. And so yesterday we went and looked at it and it was just a lot of, it was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was like a little bit overwhelming. You're like, this is a lot of kids toys and stuff. But, um, but last night, Austin, Austin and I, we, were, we brought a few extra things back with us that we didn't want to leave in the trailer, like electronic type stuff, and, and, uh, and it's just some stuff that we like to play with, and no, I'm just kidding. But um, they had like this, this radio system, like this radio system with these like walkie-talkies. They were like super fancy, like, and I was like, man, we're, if nothing else, we're going to have great security. <laughs> and they had like these, these like light, like my boys love lightsabers. They had these like lightsaber type things for directing traffic, you know. I'm like, we probably don't need it quite yet in the neighborhood, but uh, someday. And so it was a little bit of like, a, man, someday this is going to be exciting. So it was a little exciting for me um, and excited about what God's doing. So thank you guys so much for your partnership. Um, and we're just excited what God's going to do uh, in and through us as we're um, just faithful to him. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 17, as you might have the notes there in front of you. Um, there is this, this, I mean, amazing quote. I, I probably should have, I'm not very good with like putting the slides up and all that stuff yet. I'm trying to get used to not having an admin. I used to have an admin there for about seven years. And now it's like, all right, back to you, Eric. You got to do all these things. I'm like, okay. Uh, and so, um, so I mean, feel free to read, uh, write this quote or Google it again, because I think it is a powerful quote. I think I've tweeted a long time ago because I was like trying to remember the quote last night and I was looking at my Twitter timeline to see if I could find it. Um, but there's this really this great quote by Robert Murray McShane. Robert Murray McShane, uh, you might have heard of, that's a read, like, like he's, he's a pastor, he's not a reading plan, but there's a specific reading plan by him that he just lived by. He would read the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice 
every year. And so that's a, a lot of like pastors, different, I mean, just people who want to know scripture and study it and spend time in God's word, follow that reading plan. And, but he's famously quoted as saying this. He said, there's, he says this, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. He was saying like, if I could just, you know, you're, 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 you're going through, say a, a battle or a struggle or something's going on in your life. And it's like, if you could just Hear Jesus praying for you in the room next to you. Um, uh, in our house, you can, it's pretty loud. Like the walls, it seems like just like sound bounces everywhere. And so I was in my office the other day uh, studying and working. And we, we recently got a piano uh, from Alice and Derek, who Amanda and Austin mentioned are getting ready to head to Indonesia. And so it's kind of been in the family for a long time. It actually was at our house for a while. Then it was at Alice's house and now it's back at our house again. So we've moved a piano way too much because pianos are not fun to move at all. Um, but my, my boys were downstairs and they, my wife was showing them that because my wife can play the piano. She doesn't play it that much. But, and they were like amazed that she could play the piano. But I was not amazed in the moment because I'm like, I'm trying to think. And all I could hear was this piano right below me coming straight up from the, from the basement. Um, but like in, in our house, you can kind of hear people talking or whatever. But can you imagine as you're maybe struggling, you're going through a, 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 like some, just your headspace in the right place or you're being tempted or you just have a, a tough day or a week ahead of you as you're looking. You're like, man, I don't want to have to have this conversation or I'm not looking forward to talking to my boss about this or that. And next to you, through the wall right there, you could hear Jesus praying for you. Robert Murray McShane says, I would not fear a million enemies. But that's not the whole quote. I did that on purpose. The rest of the quote is this. He says, yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. The reality is Jesus, even though you don't hear him in his audible voice right next to you in the room, this is one of the really amazing uh, truths of scripture is to know that Jesus is praying actively for you. Like he is interceding on your behalf. And what we're going to see is in, in John chapter, nine, in chapter 17 is kind of like a, a precursor to this intercessory prayer that Jesus is going to have for his followers and how he is interceding for you on, on your behalf. And then we get a glimpse of what that looks like in John 17. Uh, I really think that probably McShane was really reflecting probably on Romans 8 uh, verse 34 when, when Paul said, who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, notice this, who indeed is interceding for them. He is interceding or for us. Uh, similarly, the Hebrews, the, the writer of Hebrews, some say it's Paul, we don't know. And again, I'm like, like last week, I'm not guessing on who wrote even Psalm 119. Uh, but as, as we know, we don't know who this writer is, uh, but here's what the writer of Hebrews says. He says this, he is able, talking about Jesus, he is able to save to the uttermost um, those who draw near to God through him since, notice this, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So, you know, someday we're going to study this passage in even greater detail. I want to specifically look at a few verses of it, starting in verse 11, and look at this prayer that Jesus is praying for his followers, those he is sending, right? We've been a series we've been calling Living Sent. And those people that Jesus is sending out as he sends his followers into this world, really what we're going to look at is specifically these, these three prayer requests that we're going to see that Jesus is praying for his followers. So look at with me, John chapter 17. We'll start and pick up in verse 11. So the, the first part of the verses here, um, 
uh, Jesus is praying for uh, for his glory to be manifest and known. And we see the, the grandness of that prayer at the beginning in chapter 17. But picking up in verse 11, look what he says here as he prays. And we'll see kind of our first point here it kind of stands out a little bit. He says this, I am, I, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. So Jesus, this, so, sorry, let me paint a picture real quick. So Jesus, this prayer, if, you, if you're reading consecutively through John, John mostly focuses the last few, like just few months almost of his ministry. He jumps straight into, uh, he doesn't take, he, he, this is the, John is the one we don't get the, the birth story. You know, you get that in Luke, you get it in Matthew. Um, this one, it jumps straight into uh, this picture of who Jesus is. He's the word. And we looked at that a couple weeks ago. He's the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I mean, he goes straight there. He makes this quick statement and then it's John and then boom, he's ministering. He's baptized temptation and then, and then moving forward. Uh, but in John 17, we get this picture here. And so think of this. I mean, imagine this, this prayer that Jesus is praying, and, and we're going to read it together. This happens. I mean, the timeline is um, he's had the, he's, he's observed the last supper. He's just washed the disciples feet. They're about to go to the garden. And, and at some point in this section is when Jesus prays this prayer. It's maybe it was in the garden. You know, we get the, 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 where Jesus says, um, if it's, uh, uh, if there's basically, if, if there's any other way for this cup of suffering, uh, to be a different way, not my, and then he says, not my will, but your will be done. Remember, and he goes back to the disciples, they're sleeping on him and he goes back and forth. And he's praying. So maybe some of this prayer is there happening. We don't know exactly when, but it's around that timeline of he is about to die. I mean, that same night, he's going to be handed over. Judas is going to kiss him on the cheek, and the Romans are going to take him, and then the Sanhedrin, he's going to be uh, persecuted. He's going to be beaten brutally and ultimately crucified. And here, so he's about, as we just saw in verse 11, he's about to leave, and he knows this, and he says this, and I am no longer in the world, because he's about to ascend back to the Father, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father, only time he, this is ever said in scripture, holy father. He says, holy father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. He says, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction. Okay, Judas, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So, so looking at kind of our first, as our first point in, in your notes there, is this, we're looking at this first kind of request of Jesus for those he is sending into the world as Jesus leaves and now the disciples are going to be on their own and all the other followers of Jesus beyond the disciples are going to be not on their own, but he physically isn't going to be with them. Here's what he prays for. First, he says this. He says, guard them according to your name. So his, his request is this. So this is point number one. Guard them according to specifically your name. Protect them, guard them. He, here Jesus asked the Father, specifically referencing him as Holy Father. He says, keep them or guard them according to your name. Now, what is in a name? When we, when, when we refer, when Jesus would refer to the Father and talk about his name and let his name be 
holy, when it, let his name be lifted up. It it's encompasses all of his character. And here, even with him saying holy father, he's emphasizing his holiness, the father's holiness, his purity, his perfection, but specifically who God is. And he's saying guard them, actually protect them by uh, or according to your name. Um, I remember coming across this. I, I, I like history. I didn't care for it when I was in high school, but I started to appreciate it more in college and beyond. Um, and the older I guess you get, the more you appreciate history because you're like, I have a lot of history now. <laughs> As you get older, I don't know what it is. But uh, a person uh, once asked Alexander the Great how he was able to sleep so well at night. I mean, it, with, while surrounded constantly, I mean, he's constantly conquering. He's constantly just conquering enemies and going and, and pushing forward, you know, trying to increase the empire. And uh, he was once asked that, why, why, how are you able to sleep so well at now and so, surrounded constantly by so much danger? You know, his response was, it wasn't like, man, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm great. I'm Alexander the Great, specifically. Uh, no, it wasn't that. He said, actually, uh, his response was Parmenio. And you're like, who in the world is Parmenio, or what does that mean? Is that like a certain Greek language or something? I don't know. Uh, his response was Parmenio, not Parmesan cheese. Uh, his, 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 Parmenio was his faithful guard. He said he was keeping watch. He's like, I can sleep well because I trust and I know Parmenio has my back. I know he will protect me. He'll guard me. He'll keep me safe. He was confident in that. But here's the reality. Parmenio eventually was going to fall asleep. Right? Like, eventually, Parmenio isn't going to have his back. Eventually, he's not. But his confidence, he's like, you know what? I know because I trust this, this man is going to have my back. He will protect me. He'll keep me safe. Here's the reality. When we're saying Jesus is praying that God, our Father, will protect you, that he will keep you, we can have way more confidence than Alexander could, Alexander the Great could have in Parmenio. We can have this confidence because there is no, really, ultimately, there's no security system that can keep you safe like God can. There's nothing in this world that you can try your best. I mean, my wife does. She's not here, so I get to talk a little bit about her. So, um, she, she, she can be a little fearful. She's double-checking, triple-checking locks. I don't know if any of you else do that, but my wife does. She's like the triple check, push it a little harder. And I'm like, I think it's closed. And then to be honest, I mean, it's like, I don't want to tell you, but anybody can pick that lock in two seconds. They can just watch YouTube. Um, but I don't tell her that. So don't tell her, please. Um, you know, but like there's, there's, you can, you can, because cause we all have to go to sleep. There is all a time when our, our guard is down and we need protection. We need someone to be on our side. We need someone to help us. And here specifically as, and here's what I want you to remember. This prayer is going around this idea that Jesus is leaving earth. He's walked with his disciples. I'm leaving, but we know from the promise of Scripture, he's going to send his spirit to indwell all believers. We're going to see that in Acts 2 um, specifically. But he's praying. He's like, they're going to be still in this world. And Jesus, knowing full well how this world functions, this world didn't want him. His own people didn't want him. His own people rejected him. His own people tried to kill him and then did kill him physically. This world was hard. It was difficult. He knew that and he knows he's leaving and he's like, these people, I'm praying for them. And so he's praying, Father, guard them according to your word, according to who you are, your holiness, your goodness, your purity, your majesty, your strength, your sovereignty. God, guard them according to your name. Name, but specifically, even notice in, further down, 
Look at verse 15. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Okay, don't, don't remove them out. So like once you get saved, you like just magically appear in heaven. No, you're still going to be here. You're going to be present. And so he says, he says, I'm not asking you, God, to take them out. Like protect them by just removing them from a situation, right? Like for us with the adoption, we were thinking, man, Grace is in here. She needs out of this or she's going to die. Eventually she's going to waste away if someone doesn't get her out of the situation. So let's, let's just pull her out of that situation. We'll take her in and we'll care for her. We'll love her. We'll, we'll give her what she needs. All those things are true, but that's not what God does when we put our faith in Christ. He doesn't just take you out of, oh man, he takes you spiritually out of your deadness and your sinfulness uh, and your pride, all those things, but he doesn't remove you from that. You're still surrounded by a messed up, broken, dark world. And so rather than remove, he says, notice what he prays. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Again, he's guarding you according to his name. And he says, Father, guard them, keep them away, protect them. This word keeping, protect them, protect them, guard them, keep them safe from the world, the world is wicked, it's dark, it's evil, it's going to be a pull on Peter and the disciples, and it's going to be a pull on us as followers of Christ too. And so he says, protect them, guard them, keep them safe. And so he's asking him to guard them. So that's the, the first uh, request that we see here as he's praying for, and again, think about this, here he is, Jesus, kind of in that next room to us, hearing him praying for you. Man, he's praying specifically for you, protect you from the evil one. God, I mean, think about that. Jesus, the eternal son of God, is interceding on your behalf for your protection this week as you face temptation. He's protecting, he's asking the father, he's interceding on your behalf. Father, guard them according to your word. Keep them, hold them fast. This is what Jesus is doing for you. The second request that he asks is, in looking in verse, um, verse 17 through 19 is this, is purify them with your word. Purify. That's the second point there. Purify them with your word. Verse 17. Look what it says here. Verse 17. Sanctify them. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me. Again, we're seeing a lot of this sending. And this is verse 18. This, I think this passionate plea of really what we're centering this series on living sent is about. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Just as Jesus was sent, I'm also sending my followers into this world. And notice but he says this, because like if you're going to be sent, you need protection. We need to be guarded. We need, uh, we need God's help. We need his protection. We need him to keep us from the evil one. We need those things. But how? How does that happen? How does this protection happen? How does this guarding and keeping come to be? What, how does it happen? How does it occur? It really occurs through the second point that he's praying for. Sanctify them or purify them in the truth. The word sanctify has this purifying connotation. You know, purify, cleanse them with your word. Listen, here's the thing. It would not be enough to be protected and guarded from the world and the evil one. You can say, okay, protect them. You know, protect, all that thing. But, but here's the thing. They needed to become more like him. I mean, the, the, the scripture's always talking about that, right? says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. That, it's that purifying work. And how does that happen? It happens through the word of God. It happens through his word as his word washes over our hearts, as it changes our mindset and it conforms us more into the image of Christ. 
You know, they needed to be more like him. And Jesus modeled this on earth. I mean, how many times do we see Jesus quoting the Old Testament? If you read the Gospels over and over again, he's quoting the Old Testament. When he was tempted, right? The temptation of Jesus. I was just reading this in Luke recently, right? When Jesus was tempted uh, by uh, Satan in the wilderness, what is he praying for? He's like, he, he knows God's word. So when, when uh, Satan tried to twist God's word and say, oh, doesn't God's word say this? He was twisting it. He was perverting it. He was changing it slightly, just a little bit. But a little change completely ruined. It, 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 it's not the word of God. It's a, it's a shift. And that's why, we, I mean, that's why Paul in the New Testament and the apostles, they had to guard against false teaching because all it takes is a little bit of shift. It might sound good. It might seem like, oh, that's right. Yeah, I guess God's word does say that if we pull it out of context or something. But here, Jesus knew scripture. And so he would say, no, it is written or it has been said. And he would refer to the whole counsel of God, to the Old Testament, to the psalmist, to the law, to Moses, Abraham, quoting scripture. He modeled this. He knew scripture. He had hidden, and we looked at this last week with Al Potter. He had hidden God's word in his heart that he wouldn't sin. And really, Al Potter, he mentioned this, and and he he read this verse. I think it's such a, a great verse to memorize for each of us. I know it says a young man, but obviously it's every person. But the psalmist writes in, in Psalm 119, we looked at it last week, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it, again, notice that protection, guarding it according to his word. We guard our hearts. We, uh, we, when we're asking God, protect me, hey God, guard me, keep me uh, from temptation, the evil one, how do we act in that? What do we need to be doing? We need to be guarding it according to his word. We need to be sanctified in the truth, being purified by the word of God. If you and I are to live sin, here's the thing. If you and I are going to seriously take, if we take this seriously, we want to see a community changed, right? We want to see lives restored, people whose lives are broken, made new because of the gospel and the power that it has to transform lives. If we want to see those things done in a community, in a world, all over the world, whether it's Allison and Derek moving to Indonesia and trying to reach the Indonesian people, or whether it's you at your workplace or us in our own homes, or even with your own children. How do we do that? We do that through the word. We communicate the word, but how can we communicate the word if we don't know the word? We are, need to be sanctified. We need to be purified by the world. And so if we're going to live sent, the only way to endure to the end is by God's grace, right? I mean, it, it is. It's all of God's grace but his keeping you and by our being sanctified in his truth. Uh, You know, really, these are the ones who are effective uh, instruments of God in this world. It's the ones who, man, they, they, they take that extra time in their day to spend time in God's word. They memorize some scripture. They, they, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Again, these are all from Psalm, just just Psalm 119. Scripture is filled with, listen, letting God's word sink into your heart. And guess what? That's going to happen. That's going to go back to point number one, guarding it according to his name and his name uh, being what it is. As we get to know God and as we get to know his character and who he is, as we're amazed by who he is, it changes us from the inside out. And then that word is doing that sanctifying work. And the final one is this. Number three is this. So we want to be sent and we want to be effective. We need to be this way. But here's, here's the other is this. And I think this is what 
goes a long way in ministry and in reaching uh, the people around you. Here's this last request. He says that they would experience, so that they would experience the same unity Jesus has in the Trinity. That they would experience the same kind of unity that Jesus has and has forever had in the Trinity. Notice this. Look at verse 20 to the end of this prayer in Psalm, I mean, in John 17. John 17 is just one big prayer by Jesus. We refer to it as the high priestly prayer. Starting in verse 20, it says, I do not ask for these only. So he was specific, you know, he's talking to the disciples, talking about the disciples. And then a lot of those are effective to us today, but now it's like really specific to every follower of Jesus. He says this, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through, notice this, interesting, this goes back to what we said about John the Baptist, through their word, so that people will believe in God through their communicating the gospel, as they live out the gospel and as they proclaim the gospel, display and proclaim. He says that they would believe in me through their word, talking about the disciples. Verse 21, that they may all be one just as you, there's that word one, unity, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Again, the unity that he has with the Father and the Spirit, <clears throat> that we would have that same kind of unity. Verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be, notice that again, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father. So earlier he said, Holy Father. Here he says, O righteous Father. Even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. You see, Jesus is praying that they would experience the same kind of unity he has with the Father um, in, in the Trinity specifically. And notice this, why? There's several so that's in this passage. One is this, he says, here's what, I want them to have this unity, to have this kind of oneness. Now, what, what do we mean by that? We don't mean that everyone has to dress the same, look the same, and act the same. That's not, we're not looking, I mean, yes, there is diversity within the, within the body of Christ, Yes, there are limitations to that. There can't just be everyone's just completely diverse. Our doctrines are diverse, and we have all these different denominations and all these different things. And there are certain things that are there are certain essentials that it's like, okay, this prevents us from worshiping together. Like, I can't worship with a Mormon together in the same way as it can with the other follower of Jesus, right? They believe different things. There's, they, there's a hindrance there. There's too much diversity. Like, we can't in that way. But as a follower of Christ, there is this type of unity, this oneness but here's the thing, this oneness comes by connected to the, through the gospel and by grace that you've been saved through faith. Listen, you don't just make your own unity. No, you're unified as you unify yourself to Christ. As you become united with Christ, that unites us specifically together. But this is where it comes to, we have to protect it. We have to keep it. That's why Paul, he didn't say, you know, like, hey, make sure you become unified as a church. No, he was warning us to keep and stay united. Like, don't 
wonder of, don't, don't get disconnected. But we look at, every, I mean, every church ever, ever that's ever existed has had dysfunction, right? Because there's humans involved and there's people who have one way they think things should go in another way. I mean, church has been split over some of the craziest things. If you look, if you Google them, I mean, some of the craziest things. I mean, they joke about carpet color, but it's for real. <laughs> people, people like their carpet a certain way, right? Mostly it's green for some reason, old green carpet in a lot of churches. I don't know why. Or burgundy, I think. That's the other color. It's the two popular ones. Um, you know, the church has been split over the years over these kind of things. There is this disunity that happens, but authentic unity, real oneness comes when we're united with Christ. Uh, MacArthur said it this way. I appreciated how he said this. He said, the unity of uh, invisible eternal life, right? You have, you've been united because of your relationship with God, eternal life. The unity of invisible eternal life implanted, again, that's God's work of saving, redeeming, right? implanted in Christ followers is the foundation for a, so this invisible eternal life is the foundation for a, <clears throat> a visible unity that crosses all organizational lines and that produces an effective gospel and testimony to the lost. Um, one of my favorite people to quote is A.W. Tozer. I think I have like the quotable Tozer or something like that book as well. But, you know, speaking of our piano that's in the basement, it is quite out of tune. <laughs> has never been tuned to my knowledge ever and that's been at least I've known that piano for 15 years uh, so I'm pretty sure it's out of tune but uh, in, in giving an illustration on this Tozer said this and I just want to read it to you he's like has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other so even if they're not in the same building right like if the same exact fork is used to tune this piano and that piano, and a piano over in Indonesia, and a piano in California, and one here in Georgia, North Carolina, all over. If we took 100 pianos, but we used that exact same guy goes, and he uses the exact same tuning fork to tune those pianos, and it's what he's saying here. He says, they're automatically tuned to each other. They're connected. Like, they're tuned to the same level. He says this, they are of one accord by being tuned, not to each other. Like, let me, let me, let me tune myself. Let's, let's get unity between me and William or me and some of the others. Like, let's, let's be united. No, he's not saying that. He says, they're not of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. He said, so 100, no, he's notice what he's, he transitions here. I think it's a great illustration. So 100 worshipers met together, each one looking away to Christ. Their focus is fixed on Christ. He says this, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. Like, I want to be closer to you, and we, we try to build that. You'll only, you, you, can, you can only manufacture that for a while, but ultimate real unity comes from that one tuning fork, Christ. As we're united to Christ, he is the vine, we're the branches. As we as individuals are in tune with Christ, that brings a, a natural unity that's going to happen among us. And so he says um, uh, this, to become un unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God, to strive for closer fellowship, social religion is preferred, uh, perfected when private religion is purified. Let me say that again. Social religion is perfected when private religion is purified. So as we sanctify ourselves as he's praying for us in his word your word is truth as that is our standard as we get our hearts in tune with scripture that's going to bring the unity that is necessary and notice this this is what he is saying in this passage 
He's wanting the world. Notice this. Look at verse 21. I'll kind of land the plane this way. Look at verse 21. He's praying for this unity, right? Verse, we'll start at verse 20 again. I do not ask for these only, but for also for those who will believe in me through your word. So they're going to believe. So the church as a whole, as he's referring to all followers of Christ, verse 21, that they may all be one. So he's praying for that unity, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Notice this, that they, so like a so that, right? So we have two, that they also may be in us. So that unity with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, united in Christ. Notice this. So that, another so that, so what for? Why are we going to be united to Christ? Notice this, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You see, as we are united in Christ, what can be, what, what, what can be so detrimental to a society, right? It's when the church is divided. It's when there's lots of bickering and arguing and fighting over all these random things, and it shows a disunity in the church. Guess what? That witness is not effective. This is why Jesus is saying, I'm praying for this, praying that they'll be sanctified in truth, that that will be our standard, not some made up laws and religion stuff that we've added on to churches and saying, well, you got to look this way or dress this way or act this way to follow scripture. Like we got to all dress the same and look the same. No, that's not what he's saying. You're united in his word and scripture and specifically to him. And as we do that, our witness will naturally flow from there. So let me, let me remind you to that quote at the beginning. If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. But yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. Listen, I want you to know this truth. Believe this truth. Jesus is praying for you. He is for you. He is on your side, and he's praying specifically. If you're a follower of his, he's praying for you. He is interceding on your behalf. He's wanting these things. We get a preview of what he's praying for right here in this passage. He's praying that we'll be sanctified in the truth. He's praying, that, and he's praying that the Father will guard them according to his name, that he'll guard them and protect them from the evil one. And he's praying for our unity. He's praying that we would continue that unity and that we won't allow the things of this world to pull us apart. And Because, listen, here's the thing. As we live sin, it's not an individual thing. Living on mission in this world isn't just to be done by you, by yourself, or you and your spouse even. It's a together thing. We do it together. We serve the community together. We reach this community with the gospel together. We do these things. And as we unite first and tune our hearts to, not to each other, but as we individually tune our hearts to his word and to him specifically, we naturally will become more united. And then we can do this so that the world may believe that you have sent me so that the gospel would be proclaimed together. I mean, that's what excites me is to do that together. Man, it's been a joy already just to get to know you guys in in such a kind of really, it feels like it's such a quick time, but excited about what God can do through us. But here's the thing. Let's not just like hang out together and then like, all right, we're going to become more and more like each other. More important than that is our individual time in God's word as we're sanctified, purified through his word. And as that tunes our hearts together, to live on mission for him, and that will make a difference. That's my prayer, and that's my prayer for each of you. Um, I want to pray specifically for us that God would, would do this work. I want to pray for us, but here's the thing. Jesus is praying for you, and it's way better than me praying for you. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I want to pray that God would use us individually, this, even in a short week, even just this week. Like that, Man, there will be an opportunity for God that God will put in my path where I can speak. As I've been spending time in God's word, I can, I can communicate what God's been teaching me. Uh, to others around me, or maybe to your kids as you do devotions for those of you that have children. Um, and then specifically pray, I think Austin didn't actually mention it, 
um, corporately, I guess. Um, but Carrie and Robbie did, I think everybody kind of caught that already and saw some pictures and stuff, but Carrie and Robbie did have, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jen was announcing it for us. Yeah, exactly. But Carrie and Robbie had their baby. It seemed like they were doing pretty well. Um, you know, some issues like normal, I think fairly normal um, with childbirth and that kind of stuff. Um, so just uh, pray for them uh, as they transition to parenthood. Uh, it's a big move, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Those of you who have kids, you're like, absolutely. And then there's terrible twos and terrible threes and terrible fours. Then they're teenagers. And you're like, oh, man. I promise you, have kids. It's okay. <laughs> they're awesome as well. That's uh, right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so, so, but there's a lot to be, be praying for. But I want to, if nothing else, for you to know and leave today knowing if you're a follower of Christ, Jesus is actively praying for you. And he wants these things for you. He wants to keep you safe. He's not like throwing stuff in your way and, man, I hope he messes up today. Let's, or let me see if he'll mess up today. He already knows. I mean, talk to him. He's asking you, like, I mean, even in the Lord's prayer, the model prayer, deliver, like, deliver us from evil, right? Like, deliver me from the evil one. I'm to pray these things. Um, and he's also doing that for you as well and interceding on your behalf. So let me pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much. Thank you for the gospel. Uh, this has the power of salvation to everyone who believes. Every single person, every race, um, gender, God, all people, every language group, every single person all over who's ever lived and will live on this earth, uh, this gospel has the power to save. And so we have this truth. You have been so gracious to, to show us and reveal yourself to us in the word become flesh, but even now as we have your written word in front of us to study and to read and to read on a device, I pray that you would continue to sanctify us according to your word, that your word would penetrate our hearts, that it would continue to shape us and grow us into greater image bearers of Christ, and that you would unite us around that, that you would unite us around our pursuing you. And as we pursue you, that that would draw us closer and tighter, and then that would lead us to reach this community with the gospel. Pray for great things. We pray for these things, trusting that you are a God who knows, who cares, and who is willing to act on our behalf. And so we ask for your power, your strength, your spirit to work among us in our homes, in our workplaces, and in this community. Uh, we pray uh, for Carrie and Robbie. We pray, uh, we just thank you for um, the, the, the pregnancy and the, the health of this um, dear child of yours that you have known and, and formed in her mother's womb. We pray for Josie. We pray uh, for Robbie and for Carrie, and we pray for them as parents as they adjust. I pray that you will help them, help Carrie to heal well, and that they will uh, will see uh, one day Josie coming to know the Lord and being baptized, maybe even here at Redeemer. And so we pray for them, pray for each of us, our impact on this community this week. I pray that you'll use us in great ways, and just be with, I don't even want to lift up Alice and Derek. I'm sure this is a, a, a hard day of kind of a final uh, time and, and being commissioned. And I pray for them as they transition and, and move uh, overseas. I pray for all of them. Pray for Caleb, Elijah, and Adeline uh, as they adjust and as they, uh, as they leave. I pray that you'll help them to be courageous and not fear and trust in you and that you'll pour your blessing into their hearts. Do that in each of us in unique ways. And we love you and thank you for all that you are and all that you've done. And we ask this in your son's name. Amen.